0: We have a special guest, Jay Samet, on the Never Broke Again podcast. And Jay, I I didn't know anything about Jay before Andrew told me he was coming on. And then I did some research, and it seems like Jay has done a lot of different things. And it was very interesting to me, so I'm very excited for him to share everything that he's accumulated over his lifetime to ensure that he'll never go broke again. So happy to have you on here, Jay. And I got Andrew, and uh, this will be a, a piece of cake. So, with that, um, I saw that you did something with like CDs or laser discs. Were laser discs like those big CDs that they used to have for movies? Those big, huge ones that were like records? Like, is that was that where your start was, or was that your big breakthrough? I didn't really understand that when I was looking you up online yeah, so yeah, so
1: I, I talk about it and disrupt you my first book. Um I was the first guy to put video on a computer, and I thought a TV and a computer would merge together and become one. I didn't know it would take thirty years. Um, so the evolutions of different technologies, uh, the laser disc was big twelve inch giant things. Um, later, digital video onto a computer, video for Windows for Microsoft. And with each one of those, you come up with new businesses. And you only need two things to succeed in life, insight and perseverance. Everything else can be hired. So I teach people how to get the insight. uh, One of the ways I've paid back for the past 10 years is I teach how to build a high-tech startup at the largest engineering school in the country. And I've had students do $100 million in a semester. So anybody can do it. Um, and future-proofing you is the story of, I took a homeless immigrant, mentored him one day a week for a year and spoiler alert, if you're reading it, he went from broken on welfare to self-made millionaire in under a year.
2: That could be very valuable. I'd be willing to pay that. (laughs) Can you make me a, uh, a a Deca millionaire? How long would that
1: take to make me? First million is usually the hardest for people. The next ones are inevitable if you follow followed the same path. Um, so basically what I did is I synthesized down those mentoring sessions down to what I call the 12 truths. And if you follow those 12 truths, you can live anywhere on Earth and have opportunity. Uh, we're living in an era of endless innovation where, you know, brand new startups topple 100 year old companies seemingly overnight. And people don't understand how that happens. And so I've had the good fortune to be partnered with people and work with people like Steve Jobs and Reed Hoffman and Bill Gates and Paul Allen and, and all these people. And some are super, super smart. But most aren't. <laughs> um, but they don't listen to all those naysayers that told you what you can't do. You know, if you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. And... You know, the first truth is having that growth mindset. You know, I've never heard a positive idea come from somebody in the negative state. And studies show, you know, just having a positive state of mind releases dopamine, lights up the neurotransmitters across the synaptic nerves, and it will make you uh, more likable will make you more intelligent and close more sales. So it isn't that success makes you happy. It's the being happy creates success.
0: Would you say that's more important than tangible success in your bank account? Is being happy and ultimately, if you just have a positive outlook, that'll lead you to the right places or keep those bad people at
1: bay? Well, what I'm saying is, if you don't have that positive outcome, you have zero chance of achieving success. It's not yeah. if you're walking around, "Hey, I'm happy." I'm, you know, I'm not one of these hug a tree and put up a picture of Mercedes on your on your uh, wish board and magically it'll happen. Um it, t- it takes work. Uh future proofing you isn't a get rich quick scheme. It's how to plan out your life. Uh you know, I vividly remember those decades ago. You know, you go from seventh grade to eighth, you know, ninth to tenth, and you go to college. And one day you leave college. And what? You know, there was no plan. And I got out of college when there was a horrible recession. And so, showing how old I am, uh, it's like, what well, it was interesting to me? Well, there's this movie Star Wars that came out. And I thought it was the coolest thing ever. So, I want to do Hollywood special effects. Couple of problems. I know no one in Hollywood. I know nothing about computers, and I know nothing about special effects. So, what I did was, I ran an ad in the Hollywood Reporter as if I was a studio hiring somebody. And I ran an ad for somebody in video special effects, you know, special effects. And I got a bunch of resumes in and those resumes taught me two things. One, what my resume should look like to try to get one of those jobs. And two, here's a whole bunch of places that have somebody with one foot out their door. So it's solving problems. It's looking at how to solve solutions in a different manner. So the modern modern version, which I talked about in, in Disrupt You, a guy got that dream job out of college in one of the big ad agencies. He wanted to be in advertising. He wanted to be a madman. That was his dream. And he's like in a basement cubicle crunching numbers. I mean, he just wants to shoot himself. He's miserable. And he's Googling around. And one day he realized nobody bought the names of the five biggest creative directors of the five big agencies. So for $9, the price of a Frappuccino... He bought their names and when they clicked on themselves as famous people were out to do to see if there's anything bad out there it said hey i want to work for you click here to see my portfolio three of the five brought him in all three offered him jobs he got five times his salary and probably accelerated his career by 15 dollars for a nine dollar investment so back to me with the with the special effects i knew nobody was going to hire a 21 year old guy to be in charge of the special effects for their feature film. I'm not an idiot. So I made up a fake company called Jasmine, Jay Allen Salmon, it was mine. And I made myself just the sales guy for the company, not the president. And I went out and hustled and I got special effects work. And then I hired people to know how to do it. So it's about mastering the process, not the task. I've, I've created, at one point I had six of the top 10 video games in the country. I've created video games i've created educational stuff i've wired the nation's schools i'm not an engineer i haven't written a line of code you can hire people what you can't hire away is insight and perseverance so so
2: yeah i i, I like how you bring up insight and perseverance. i've read both your books awesome amazing books disrupt you future proofing you even i love the title of future proofing you uh, and the insight that you bring inside those books, I, I'm a big reader and that's up there. It's a top 10 book for me, both Thank of you. them. Um, but perseverance is, can be taught. I feel like, like
1: just do this
2: over and over, over and oh, over both, and both, can be both can be taught.
1: Both can be taught. One of the 12 truths is turning perseverance into passion. Right. Um, anybody can sell shoes. But there's a company, Tom Shoes, that every time you buy a pair, they give a pair to somebody that's never had shoes. And just pause for a second and think how that makes customers feel, how that makes the employees feel, how it makes their investors feel. Okay, And when you run into a hard time, you're not just letting yourself down. It means another kid doesn't get helped. So anytime that you can focus on something greater than the bottom line. So back to my early days when I was in my 20s, when you have a startup. And you're a kid, you have more time than you have business. So each year, I would sit down with all my employees and we pick one pro bono project to do. And so the graphic artist could do their best work and the coder could do the And there's no client, you know, telling you to change or to do anything. So um, uh, Ringo just had his birthday. We we had one year designed the first software for non-communicative kids to be able to use it computer to communicate with their parents I'm hungry I'm thirsty I'm tired of this is back in 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 the 90s and Ringo Starr was so impressed with it he volunteered to do our tv commercials for free um uh so when you do these things that 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 have impact they're like lights that attract brilliant moths and so when I bump into people that worked for me 10 20 30 years ago they don't remember was I paid this much was I paid that They remember these projects and the impact that they've had. And as you get more success, the point is to pay it forward. The purpose of life is to live a life of purpose. You want to maintain that positive attitude, you know, solve for others to solve for yourself, you know, solve, solve a problem for five people. You have friends, solve for a million, become wealthy, solve for a billion. You change history. And we're going to hit 8 billion people this year um we're one click away from 7 billion of them you only have to be right for a nanosecond to make a million dollars you know it's it's not this this great miracle but it's not going to happen if you don't try
0: how how do you find these people you found the people how do how do you pay for these people when you're starting out well So let's pretend like when you're first starting out, because I'm assuming, you know, you don't just wake up and you have a bunch of money.
1: No, you don't need any money. So my last company uh, went from zero to in 18 months, we sold it to uh, News Corp for two hundred million dollars. So, Andrew and Joshua, I'm starting a new company. I'll give you 10 percent for ten thousand. Okay, what do I now have? I have ten thousand in cash and ninety thousand in equity. I can hire people with that stock. I can trade stuff with that stock. Entrepreneurs don't come into a world in a zero sum game. It isn't my goal is to take your money. There's only so much money on the table, like a poker game. As you saw in that example, I just made a hundred thousand out of thin air. Okay. So when you see these startups that get these incredible valuations, they're creating that capital. It didn't exist without their idea. Mm-hmm. So in the beginning, you could partner with somebody and give them part of the company. I mean, there's there's always ways to do it. Now, there's a lot of ways, a lot more options to raise money nowadays. There's crowdfunding. Um, there's crowdfunding, you know, with rewards and with equity. There, there's, there's no gatekeeper stopping you from success, and there's no shortage of capital. I remember the first time I went to pitch a VC and I've raised hundreds of millions of dollars from VCs. I was like terrified, like, oh, my God, you know, what do I do? and then somebody gave me the tip, their sole job is to give away that money, right? They're hoping you don't say anything that makes them say no. I mean, they're taking the meeting with the exception of of one famous VC who always, and it's something about the fourth time I went to him. He always goes, I'm so sorry, I'm over-scheduled today. I only have five minutes. That's his way of basically saying, you know, I hate your pitch at five minutes and he's out of there. If he likes it, he'll stay for the next two hours. Um, but you know, people want to create things and the big change, since you read both of them, Andrew, that was an oversight in disrupt you that I focused on as one of the 12 truths in the second one is don't think you have to go it alone, find a mentor. Don't fly solo. You will need a series of mentors for every stage of your, of your life. Um, Bill Gates when he was a self-made billionaire and the richest man in the world, his mother told him to reach out to Warren Buffett because you need a mentor. And imagine being cocky in your twenties. I'm the richest man in the world. What do I need a mentor for? How to live with billions of dollars, right? There's a different set of rules and you don't just go on LinkedIn and go, Hey, Jay, will you be my mentor? That's about as successful as walking to bar and saying, Hey, you want to have my baby? Don't think it works. It's about, finding people, starting a dialogue, people that are at the next stage of your career, you know, you know, people coming to me, I, I haven't been at that entry level for decades, not a lot of help, you know, when you're, how do we go public? One of my companies, we just went public two weeks ago, you know, that I can give you a lot of advice on, Um, but people want to help. People want to pay it forward. People want to see those solutions come, come to being. Um, I don't know if you're a big uh, Monty Python fan or Time Bandits or any of those old things, but when they decided to make feature films, nobody wanted a you know bunch of hippies to make a feature film. So George Harrison's reading the script and goes, I'll pay $100,000 to see this movie. Right? They, they all just kicked in and they all made money because it was a passion project they believed in it. And so yeah, does every project I try to do get funded and happen? No. But you learn to embrace your mistakes. Because when you fail, you don't end up where you started. You either earn or you learn, but either way it propels you forward to success.
2: So your insight and perseverance, that's that's a common theme, Jay Summit theme. So how do you teach or how do you learn insight cuz I mean, I guess you can learn it through reading a massive amount of books, which is how I I personally obtain a lot of insight. But how how
1: else, that's my opinion,
2: but how else can you?
1: So in Disrupt You, I talk about my uh, uh, three problems a day for 30 days technique. And this is what I have my students do and everybody do. Today, not tomorrow, write down three problems in your life. If you don't have any problems. Congratulations, you have. Well, with that times growth
2: times. mindset, I don't have problems though. You know what I? mean? <laughs> <Well, you laughs> chal- identify challenges, right?
1: So you were in, you know, traffic this morning or whatever yeah. it is. Mm-hmm. Day one's pretty easy. Day two might be pretty easy. By day three, people were like, eh, I don't see anymore because we walk around with blinders on and every inconvenience we we accept. So once you start getting out of that automaton mentality. So the traffic one, three guys just like us were sitting in traffic in Tel Aviv, and I'm from Los Angeles, okay? Tel Aviv's got traffic, but Los Angeles, you know, we, we, we master traffic. But they're sitting there and they go, wait a second. The telephone company knows where I am. They know where my phone is. They tell me to go left and the other guy to go right. There's no traffic. That was the basis for Waze. They sold it the same year for over a billion dollars with zero revenue. Uh, a reader that I've become friends with was taking, was doing the challenge and was taking his medicine one morning and the phone rings, he takes the call, gets off the call, goes, oh, did I take my pill? If I didn't, I could get sick. And if I did and I take again, I could kill myself. Oh, that's a problem. And he thought about it a little bit and then he took a little Happy Meal watch, put on the pill bottle so that every time you open, it says, oh, I opened it eight hours ago or I opened it three minutes ago, called a timer cap and, and sold millions. So it's looking at those problems. Uh, there's a flight attendant, Sandy Stein, no academic background, but she realized she was constantly fumbling in her purse for her keys. So she made a little clasp that goes inside a purse, became a millionaire in four months. And a favorite of the past two years is a 16-year-old high school girl. Parents aren't doctors, they're not scientists, they're Joe Average, and she's doing the science fair, OK? I did the volcano with baking soda and vinegar, Okay, All right, I was that, like, didn't take this seriously. She looks up that the fourth leading cause of death in this country is hospitals, getting an infection. And it occurs to her, why doesn't somebody make sutures that change color if the wound's affected? Hmm. So she plays with some vegetables, different pH balance, make a long story short, was smart enough to go get a patent, And now it saves 100,000 lives a year. Why did no giant company come up with this? Because nobody was looking to solve a problem. I've I've had companies that I've run with hundreds of thousands of employees. And I can't find a one whose job is to come up with something new.
2: I got an idea I want to throw out there. I thought of it the other day. So you know how you have to buy a whole car to go electric right how come there's not like a shop where you just drive up to it and they just convert the car to electric so you don't have to buy a whole new one but then i talk to some people and they're like it costs a lot of money to do that and that's the issue how would you is it it even you know what i mean is it it would
1: cost more than converting your car
2: uh i was told it would cost like a 100 grand to Convert the
1: car from gas to electric, right? So it's it, it'd be cheaper to have one that was purposeful. Oh, yeah, yeah. You
2: you know, know, I'm just thinking is that it would be so much more efficient
1: if you just. But I guess it's just too. No efficiency is designing something that does what it's meant to do. Um, yeah, you know the the I I love I've been electric since uh, 2017. I, I it's this sh- once the batteries go to the next generation where you have 600 miles to a charge game over where is it at right now um depending on which which uh, manufacturer and what size car two to three hundred um which is 90 percent of your driving yeah it's like you want to go on your cross-country trip now with this with the 600 mile battery you'll get 85 percent of that charge in 15 minutes Mm. So think of how long you're at a gas station and you go to pee, you know, for that same amount of time, you know, and, you know, with Tesla, when I bought Tesla, you get lifetime charging for free. Mm -hmm. You know, there's no oil changes. So on a per mile basis, your car pays for itself compared to what you're paying to operate another car. How far out do you think this 600 mile or even a thousand mile battery is? Um, They exist. So when do they become commercialized is the question. Uh, Hmm. A a lot of people ask me, you know, how are you so good at predicting the future? I hang out with the people that are coding it. Um, So I know what's coming out. And uh, it's funny, a couple of years ago, Google uh, called me and hired me to help them with the project. And I was like super flattered, but I had to say, uh, I was the number three guy at Google, I had to say, I don't get this. When I want to know something, I just Googled, what could I possibly know that your 10,000 of the smartest engineers and a hundred thousand other people, you know, don't. And, uh, it was how to bring a product to market. So there's always a place where you can add value.
0: So when you, when you come up with these ideas, Jay, and you used ways as an example, a company with no revenue sold for a billion dollars, how do you bring that to market and find a way to scale that
1: up? Like, So if you're solving a problem that, that you know, you know, things go viral that work, you know, a, a guy made a game for his friend called Wordle, and it was so simple and so addictive and so fun. that was no marketing and it wasn't meant as a business. You know, you got millions of people playing it and, you know, sells it overnight. It's the person that says, I've got this new startup. Let me spend the next 45 minutes and explain to you what it does. Well, that means that there's never a customer that's going to give you 45 minutes or an investor that's going to give you 45 minutes. You've built something for which it's not solving a problem. You're searching to create a problem to solve. Um, You know, I I used to have at my company open pitch day. Friday from 9 a.m. to noon, anybody could come in and see me and you got some lunatics um but you got some good things that walk it i mean you have to be open to new ideas and there's always new technology that can solve other things and the advantage that the next generation whatever that is always has is that they don't have habits that preclude them from seeing change When my son was getting his first apartment we're driving around and there's a sign oh write down that phone number i tell him and he takes his phone and goes click right i have the habit of writing things down next generation has the habit of using their phone as a reminder right so when you start with that base of what exists today and you come up with a problem that isn't solved there may be a technology coming out that solves it i mean i'm a huge fan and completely focused on spatial reality of what augmented glasses will do and you will not be looking at your phone three years from now it'll stay in your pocket and the things that your glasses will be able to do are mind-blowing you know you're in in china you translate the menu you know you'll be able to hear 40 different languages and and comprehend what people are saying travel the world with two pair when you see the love of your life sitting in Cross the room, put a pair on her and, you know, communication is solved. But, but seriously, I mean, there's a company that's scanning all the products at retail, all the sides. So you walk into your supermarket, there's 40,000 SKUs. Your doctor just told you you have high blood pressure. Show me the products that have no salt. Everything else disappears off the shelf. You know, show me the things that are Kato or Halal or kosher. So... Tons of problems that can be solved and the person spending the billions creating the technology, isn't the one solving the problem. So when the iPhone came out 15 years ago, here's two of the top 10 best-selling apps, the fart app and a game with cats. People didn't think of open table and Robin hood and, and all the other things that have made millions and billions of dollars. So Facebook, Microsoft, Google, Apple are all spending billions creating the infrastructure and hardware for augmented. They're not solving the individual problems. So the people that come out with those apps in the beginning strike gold. When the iPad came out, no one had swiped before. For those people that are of that generation, there was a time before swiping. And Apple wanted to explain swiping in their TV commercials. No one had ever swiped. So they searched the world for a video game that would use swiping. And they found a company that had 30 failures, was going out of business and would say yes to anything. And it was called Angry Birds. And Apple put that in their TV commercial. And everyone saw $100 million worth of advertising. And that thing sold millions and millions. Sold $5 billion worth of bed sheets, thermoses, t shirts, and stuffed animals the first year. Okay. So there's always a way to get out to that market.
0: So you were saying earlier, I create a company, I find someone, give 10% for 10,000. What do you do with that 10,000? What's the next thing that you do?
1: Well, in most situations, you want to have your minimal viable product, you want to have a ship a product that is good enough to solve a problem, but don't spend time polishing the apple. Mm-hmm. Uh, my friend Reid Hoffman says entrepreneurs are people that jump off the cliff and assemble the plane on the way down. And and that's really the approach. Um, and what you'll get if you get your product out fast, is you'll get free R&D. Because everybody that spent their hard-earned money will tell you why it sucks and what's missing, and other people will come up with new ideas. You also want to have, if you have enough people, you want to have hackathons, you know, prizes for your employees to come up with out-of-the-box thinking. The like button came from a hackathon. The news feed came from a hackathon, internal hackathon at Facebook. Imagine the difference of Facebook without those two features. So you just get it in people's hands and don't go asking grandma and and mom if, if it's a good company and a good idea. Go to the person that's trying to solve it. So at this stage of my life, I only get involved with companies that solve issues that I think really need to be solved. And one of the biggest issues is 100 years ago, some schmuck thought their best way to grow food was to put as much poison on it that would kill rodents and and weeds and insects, but it would never do anything to us, okay? And fast forward, you know, this is really killing us and killing the planet. So how do you grow food at scale to feed 8 billion people without poisonous chemicals? And so make a long story short, uh, Greenfield Robotics makes these little, Robots, think of the size of an ice chest, that go up and down row crops, soy, milo, uh, corn, et cetera, and cut out the weeds. Simple as that. A swarm of them. Think of goats in a field. Now, the farmer makes 40% more money because he's growing organic. Okay? Farmer saves money by not having to have that. Farmer doesn't get cancer from handling, you know, uh, round up in these other, other things. The consumer doesn't get poisoned and the runoff doesn't go down the Mississippi and kill all the fish in the Gulf of Mexico. On top of which, you now can have regenerative agriculture. So you can have not just a monocrop, you can mix crops. You can actually have more nutrition in your crops. And so healthy people, healthy planet. Why did nobody ever solve this before? Well, If you made a Venn diagram of farmers working farms and people that do robotics, they didn't overlap. So you had to put together that overlap.
0: So when you said you're working on projects that help a lot of people, are you only focusing on like projects like you just described?
1: Yeah, I don't need any money. So why would I waste my time for more of it? That's a good, that's a good point.
2: Well, you, you and and that's, that's a great mindset to have in general, but, you know, kind of circling back when you were 21 and you kind of, you hustled, right? Because you hear this a lot from high level entrepreneurs who hustled early on. Um, But I think Josh was poking at, all right, you hired people, but how'd you pay them if you were, had no money, right? You know, how, how did you?
1: You made them a, a partner. You made them part of the company. So you gave
2: them equity? Yeah.
1: And, you know, you hustle, you get your first project, and and you don't hire ahead of what you can afford. You know, in the beginning, I didn't know how to raise money. I tell the story, you know, I ran my first company off my credit cards until, oops, you know, worst, worst way to run a company. Um, but I didn't know where money came from. I didn't know how the world worked, which is why I spend so much time trying to, you know, ease the journey for others. Because let's face it, if people are solving problems, then all these entrepreneurs are working seven days a week to make my life easier. Why wouldn't we want more of them to be successful?
0: So, back to the mindset you don't need any more money. Do you think? or believe that people who are coming up, if they believe like, hey, I don't really need money, I'm just gonna solve problems that they can be successful? Or do you feel like there's a balance there in the beginning, you gotta juggle a little
1: bit? Oh no, you need money. I mean, you get to a point where you know the, the one thing that, that money bought that didn't exist before is what I call F you money. So when somebody says, I want you to do this project or do something, or whatever, I go, F you, I don't wanna do it, right? Right. I want to spend every hour of my day the way I want to spend it. You know, I don't, you can only sleep in one bed at a time, drive one car at a time, fly in one plane at a time. I mean, you know, I I never looked at it as a dick measuring thing. You know, if that motivates others, great. My motivation was real simple. I had two sons when I was very young and I wanted them to have a good life. So you want to talk about perseverance, you look down at them and, you know, I'll find another way. You know, there's always another, you know, whatever that obstacle is, you know, it's like playing a video game. You hit that impenetrable object and you're hammering and hammering. You finally get past it and go, yay, only to see that there's another, you know, thing in your path. Well, that's what life is and that's what business is. So, yeah, I'm not trying to say I wasn't, how do I make money focused? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. But I'll give you a great example. Uh, A guy came in to me and pitched me that he had a major contract to make bullets for the U.S. Army. And so he had a huge factory and had surplus time, so he could actually make bullets cheaper than anybody and flood the market with cheap bullets. And I'm sitting thinking, how do I get this guy out of my office without shooting me? I mean, like, <laughs> you know, great. Yes, you can make money, but is that the value you want to add to the world? I figured out how to flood the country with more cheap bullets. Um, and you know, early on, I, I uh, in the laser disc days, I was brought in by a defense contractor, um, to do some military training and in, in the interview process, they said, do you have a problem teaching people how to kill? And I thought for a second, and I said, yes. And I just stood up and left. <laughs> I'm like, you know, um, I, I, you know, if I don't believe in what I'm doing, how can I do it? and and at some point as you rise in your career you're not the demographic for whom you're building the product and that's when you have to recognize that you know reid hoffman is probably the most successful investor you know first hundred grand into zuckerberg's hand and thousands of these and he came to me one day with this new thing and he wanted to know if i want to put money in and and it's uh, called airbnb and People stay at your house and you can stay at their house. And I'm like, I'm not letting a stranger in my house. I'm not sleeping at somebody's house. It's not about me. Okay. (laughs) Right. So you fall out of the demographic, you know? Did you get in on that deal? No, it made no sense to me. I I didn't, I didn't, I, I missed out, missed out on a lot of them. Mm -hmm. No problem. Hmm.
0: Was there ever a time you didn't believe? Believe in what? Believe in yourself. Was there ever a point like you were down and like never saw what was going to happen?
1: Oh, really down many times. Believe in myself, absolutely. I mean, that's how I start off Disrupt You with this with this story of um back when states were just getting lotteries. California was going to get the lottery. California's a big state. And a lot of machines back then were a little green screen with numbers, right? And they were going to make player activated terminals where you just type in your number and you get a ticket. So using laser disk technology and all this other stuff, I made this kiosk. When you walk back by a motion detector, it goes, what would you do with a million dollars? Mm-hmm. And a big display that showed you how much the thing was. And you could touch it and in in eight different languages and it talked to you and did all this stuff and i'm up for the state contract it's between me and a company with the little green thing right and to make the prototype and all the stuff maxed out my credit cards flew up to sacramento i'm going to win this thing they got this little stupid box with these little green things i got the winner okay like confidence beyond confidence they gave it to the other company now later i would find out The FBI had a secret videotape that showed that the other company gave $50,000 in a suitcase to one of our state legislators, and they voted for them. And that guy went to prison, but my competitors still got to keep the contract. So I'm coming back from that meeting about as low as I can be. I am so maxed out and broke that when I landed at LAX, I could not afford a cab to get home. Now, they used to have, back in in decades ago, these little old ladies that sat at information booths and would tell you how to take buses because we don't really have mass transit in L.A. But this is late at night. There's nobody at those things. I'm literally, you know, next to tears. And how am I going to get home? And then it dawned on me, those little ladies only work eight hours a day. They only speak one language. What if you had kiosks at airport? Imagine what you could do with those chaos. So next time you get your plane ticket without talking to somebody, think a little old Jay. So there's always a way to pivot. is that I
2: thought that was a Jeff Jeff Hoffman right you, you know Jeff Hoffman?
1: um don't know Jeff.
2: okay. I thought he came up with the there's a lot of people that
1: came up with chaos. It was a whole the industry Kiosk in the airports. yeah, it was a lot of us.
0: What um, were the credit cards maxed out at Jay, do you remember?
2: I have no idea. You just yeah, how know. did you get out of that hole? Because that's that's obviously I don't know how big that hole was, but how did you climb out of that credit card hole? For entrepreneurs that are going into debt, you know some, you know some.
1: You just uh, you know eat a lot of mac and cheese, and uh, you know keep on going forward. You make sure you have a side hustle. You make sure you have something. Um, You know, one of of my inventions was a uh, coin-op video jukebox, as opposed to just hearing music. You could see music videos during the the height of MTV. A lot of people didn't have cable. So, you know, I was living off of those quarters. You know, you do what you got to do. Elon Musk challenged himself before he started his first company. Could he live off a dollar a day? And he did. And at the end of that month, he said, okay, I can always figure out a way to make $30. And his first company, he had no apartment. They had one computer, kept it on during the day, and at night the website went down while he and his brother programmed it. They went down to the YMCA to shower. And that's why he's the richest guy in the world. And when he sold, when when PayPal sold and he had the kind of money that would make generations of his family wealthy, he was broke within a year because he started three companies with all that money. He had to borrow from friends to just eat. Because he's that committed to solving the problems that obsess him so you know be glad that there are people that are obsessed with what they're trying to do it's not a healthy way to live
0: <laughs> yeah and what's very interesting is you said he had two sons right yep. how was that doable you know raising a family How did you manage that or did they did you see your family did you not see your family was there any sort of
1: balance there it's funny nowadays during the pandemic that everybody does this so it doesn't seem strange but i i wasn't going to pay overhead i ran my company out of my house Hmm. you know those lottery machines were in my garage um but uh and i taught my kids at preschool that when the phone rang we play a game whoever stayed quiet the longest got a treat um uh but yeah, you know, you do they invented the do. quiet game too. There's this fallacy that there's this magical work-life balance, okay? And I'd rather work harder than most people are willing to work for a few years and then be able to live the way most people aren't able to live for the rest of my life. All right. So, you know. I really never went to a rock concert till I was you know, president of the world's largest music company. And it was my job. I mean, you know, you, you just focus on what you got to focus on.
2: Well, so about, yeah, about Jay personally, you live in, you're in Palm Springs. You live in LA where
1: um, for the past 40 years, LA. And... Are you married? Yep. Okay. I have two granddaughters. One of them turned five yesterday. Nice. Oh, wow. I bet uh, having
0: nice. a grandchild opens
1: you up to like so many ideas. Um, yeah. I mean, it's just pure joy. You know, the more time you can spend around people that have zero cynicism, the the more enjoyable your day. And so little kids are just, they they laugh all day long, you know, just as happy as can be. Um, but you know, my kids were always involved in, in my work and, you know, when they were little, they were, you know, I was making video games When they were teenagers. I was running music companies. I mean, and movie studios. And so, you know, they saw that, you know, you can do anything and if an idiot like their dad can do it, then, you know, they can do what they want. The, the, it always pisses me off when people go to kids, what do you want to be when you grow up as if you get one thing, right? And it's great, you know, one of my best friends had her teeth knocked out in the third grade and a dental surgeon literally gave her back her smile. So she wanted to do that for people. So she knew her calling and she's a dental surgeon. For most of us, we don't have that, okay? We're not lucky enough to lose our teeth. Um, But instead of asking kids, what do you want to be? Ask them, what problem do you want to solve? Because at every stage of life, they will see inequities and injustice and things that they want to improve. When they have that mindset that they can make the world better, that changes their horizon. So even if you miss the stars, you're still one farther than the person that's just a plant and sitting there.
2: So where do you where do you see everybody being in 100 years or 250 years? Now that's an odd question, but oh, that's pretty we like easy. odd
1: questions, don't we? Um, humanity probably will not be here.
2: next 250 years yeah what do you think uh what might trigger that
1: um if if the planet raises just two more degrees like life's over for mammals um you know it's getting uh, hot these days (laughs) it it was funny about six years ago i keynoted a singularity university and one of the things was what's going to be the biggest disruption in our lifetime and i went at length and explained to people Uh, global pandemic. And I was like, you know, what are you talking about? Now, I didn't pull that out of my ass. Everybody knows that as we're encroaching on places that we haven't been, we're going to be exposed to things for which we have no immunity. And we keep on encroaching into everything. Um, Now, the ineptitude of the response of governments and mankind, like, still shocks me. I just I just gave a speech uh, two weeks ago in person for the first time in two years in a room of 5,000 people. And I booked that thing and said I would not back out because there was no way the pandemic was gonna last three years. I mean, so yeah, so if we don't solve the, the climate crisis, the planet's gonna be just fine.
0: <laughs> of George yeah,
1: Carlin. so
2: what do you think how, how's where's the where's the disruptive solution is it solar is it electric is it something that we haven't invented is it nuclear you know is it so it's basically energy right because people so will energy's energy
1: is going to be free energy is getting you know so the amount of sunlight that hits the planet every day and the amount that we use is so so minute that that there's a lot of technologies that solve that um But repairing the damage of burning fossil fuels for more than a century is is the issue. And one of them, and planting trees is great, right? And and a great way to offset. But even better, and there's a number of tech companies doing it right now in different ways, is building massive kelp forests. So that's basically underwater forests. And very easy to do. Three-quarters of the planet's covered with ocean. We've killed most of what's in the ocean. So this will help bring it back. So it solves a whole bunch of stuff and it's very inexpensive and very easy to do. So that at scale, I do believe that these things are solvable. Um, Elon Musk doesn't. He's driven by the fact that he wants to colonize Mars. Mm -hmm. And, you know.
2: Probably might be easier to resolve the issues here than colonizing Mars,
1: right? That would be my goal. That's, that's how hard both of them are, <laughs> you know, you know. Um, but that's why the idea of, you know, ooh, here's a business that can make you a, a few million dollars. Just, All right. I want the planet to be a wonderful place for my grandchildren. All right? Um, If you get a chance to go to Singapore, they have a giant terrarium that you walk through. They got plants from all over the world or whatever, they have a cloud inside the rainforest there, but they have a four-story thing where you walk in order and they show you what happens as each time the planet goes up one degree, because the time they did it, we were four degrees away from extinction. Now we're two degrees. Um, The the temperatures hitting the planet this year are what we predicted would hit the planet in, in 2050. Mm-hmm. So we're also real bad at predicting how fast these changes are happening because they they change geometrically, not arithmetically. So when you melt the glaciers on the tundra, you know when you melt, melt the permafrost off of all that land of Russia, we thought about that. Did what we didn't think is now all that area becomes you know hotter and growing stuff and, and changing stuff, you know, you know, uh, Mount Blanc in Switzerland, go visit this year because that, that 40,000 year old glacier is going to be gone within the next year or two. I mean, resolving
2: that problem. I feel like we would just end up in war. Right. Well, put a ban on fossil fuels
1: and like, well, there's there's tons of people predicting that the future wars will be over water. I mean, there's a lot of, you know, a lot of dystopian ways to look at it but the bigger issue is you know i i used to ghostwrite and work for a guy named ralph nader who you know in 1970 had the first earth day and you know put solar to to do a concert i mean solar was really primitive you know jimmy carter put solar on the roof of the white house you know reagan took it off and threw it out um we spend more than half of our multi-trillion dollar annual tax revenue on defense when the thing we should be defending against is us, you know, the change we're doing. So, yeah, it amazes me that no one's doing anything, you know, for a few years there, you know, I was involved in some of the big charity concerts and like, great, we'll do another concert to save our planet. I mean, it's, it's, it's hearts and minds are important, but we're now
2: well, no. how do you persuade the masses to move quickly, right? Because that's the hard part, right? Because it's, right. it's it's extremely difficult.
1: <laughs> Too often the M is silent. Um, the, the what? The M okay. is silent in masses. Okay. Yeah. Um, you really don't need the masses. You need the will of those that are in charge. Um, and when you can show investors, unfortunately, this is the, the way that we go, that there's a profitable outcome, you know, that there's money to be made. Things happen very quickly. Um, I got involved in this very early in, in, you know, back in the early days with, with Ralph Nader. This one wasn't my idea, but it opened my eyes when the guy that did, they wanted to start a thing called recycling. No one could get recycling mandated. No one cared about recycling. Recycling went nowhere. And a guy came up with a good idea. Now, back then, you young whipper a bottle of Coke was a nickel, okay? And they came up with this idea that when you buy that bottle of Coke, it's 10 cents. When you bring back the bottle, you get your nickel back. And why that was so important was they realized most people wouldn't recycle. And the soda bottlers, your Coca-Cola and your Pepsis, got to keep the nickel. So where they were making fractions of a penny of profit per sale, they were now going to make 20 fold. So now they would advertise recycling. They would lobby to force these things through legislatures. They would change everything and they became the giant profitable businesses that they are because of that one change. So that's how you do it.
0: What would you say to someone who thinks they're too small to make a change?
1: Um, the only people that have ever changed the world are the stubborn. I mean,, everything started with one person with an idea. I mean, and and I had this idea when I sold my first company that if we if we got the internet into classrooms, we could have equal access to to knowledge and equalize the schools. Um, there was a Supreme Court case, Brown versus uh, the, the board of education were separate, but equal schools. So poor neighborhoods had lousy schools and rich neighborhoods had good schools. Wow. I wonder how that ends up for society. So I had this idea and I just started writing about it and I was nobody. I had a company with, you know, 20 people. And one day I get a phone call and, uh, my assistant says it's the president. I'm like the president of what? And there's a guy doing a horrible Arkansas accent and it's Bill Clinton calling little old me. You know, would I come to the White House and, and, and solve this? I mean, that's insane. You know, I've worked with the Pope. I've worked you know, with governments all over the world. And it's not because I'm anything special. It's because I came up with solutions that people had problems that they wanted solved. No one ever hired me because they had their best year. You know, I'm like, we've tried everything else. Let's call Samet. um <laughs> you know, but there's always a way and there's always a second chance. Walt Disney, um, Heinz, uh, these guys all went bankrupt before they created their billion dollar second companies. Um, so you may not hit it out of the park the first time, you may not hit it out of the park the first 10 times. But there's no, no, there's no limit on how many times you get to try.
2: So how, how does Jay solve the climate issue?
1: Well, the robots are a big part of it. Um,
2: what do you mean? What ro- what do you mean? Robots
1: are greenfield robotics that, that take the pesticides out of plants. What they I also mean- do is make it more affordable more equitable to do smaller farms and automated farms. And so that you create more um, agriculture, which you know plants will solve the problem for us. We just need more of them out there, and so that's that's an easy way to easy way to do it. I mean, so that's that's you know, that's the one that I'm I'm working on. Other people are working on kelp forests, and you know. Dropping trees out of planes and tons of other crazy ideas.
0: <laughs> trees out of planes.
1: Yeah, these little tree darts. To they just plant
0: rainforest. into the ground. Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, but go look up how many thousands of acres of rainforest are bulldozed every day so we can have cheap palm oil. You know, I mean, it, it's just, it, it's, it's, if we just well, stop doing more there's, damage.
2: There's the other side who just don't believe in climate change. That's the, that's the tough part, right? I mean, at least it used to be. I, I don't know if it's that, I don't know what's going on right now. Politically, it's
1: kind of. So a hundred percent of scientists agree. Yeah. Every day on the I'm not, evening. I'm not saying I disagree, but I'm on saying. On the evening news, they tell you there's, you know, we're having a hundred year flood and we have it every year now. You know, it's 106 in the UK this week. They don't have air conditioning, okay? Um, A friend of mine started the seed bank to save seeds of every plant and they put them in the permafrost up by the North Pole in a place called Svarborg. And he invited me one February to go, I'm I'm not going to the North Pole in February, I hate the cold. It was warmer in the North Pole in February than it was in Los Angeles on the day of the trip um and the permafrost melted and started to flood where we're storing all the world's seeds um yeah no there's never been an argument on climate change just like there was never an argument that cigarettes were bad for you what there was was a disinformation campaign to try to just like guns right just like yeah it's it's to give air cover to politicians so they can say i don't know what's going on so they can continue to take money yeah We're the only country that has mass shootings and we've had more mass shootings this year than there's been days. (laughs) Right.
2: Yeah. That's a solution. That's a problem. I don't know how we haven't gotten solved. The UK doesn't even allow for guns and they have very, you know, and that's very comparable, a good comparable country to ours. And I know their crime rate is much lower.
1: Yeah. No, I mean, it takes the will and, uh, you know, we did have an assault weapons ban during the Clinton administration and with a ton of lobbying, they lobbied that it had to be renewed every so many years. Can you imagine if, if when, after the civil war and we, we said, you can't have slaves they said, yeah, for the next five years, it has to be renewed. I mean, like it, it's out of control. Lobbyists always have the, the last way in and, uh. Big oil is no longer the big lobbyists. When I worked in DC, they were the major lobbyists. Now it's big tech, you know, it's, Hmm. you know, information and the power of that information. And, uh, you know, I probably have a different view of privacy than, than you guys. I don't think anything should be private. Uh, and I've testified in the EU on that and, you know, got, got the, the French guy like crazy American. I said, no. If you have nothing to hide, what does it matter, right? No, it's not even that. The Chinese will outlive you. What Everybody's do you mean? Everybody's genome, everybody, what happens to them uh, with disease, what drug works, the whole country is participating, in essence, with their data, so you can solve diseases and 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 make stuff happen. If all your medical research, if everything that happens to you is kept private and we can't learn from it. How does society benefit? So, you know, there, there's different ways to look at every issue. Hmm. You didn't think we'd be this philosophical on a business <laughs> show today.
2: You're taking such a high-level perspective. I wanted to go there, but at the same time, people just want to make their nut. You know what I mean? So it's a hard, it's a hard uh so it's a hard balancing act, you know, because it comes down to quality of life, like you said, with your family.
1: Did, did, did you come out of reading Disrupt You, energized to go start something?
2: You know what, intri- uh, you know what intrigued me most was your insight into break uh, the way you perceived uh, equity inside of companies, the way you were able to take a different perspective on that I'd never seen before in creating, I think you mentioned it earlier, in create, basically creating money that wasn't there before. And I was like, man, that is, that is crazy to think of it that way. And uh, it's more of a, a wholesome and, and better approach than, than I think that uh, I've ever heard. Well, so um, it, it's like printing money, basically.
1: <laughs> well, we created our educational system to create employees. Right? Yeah, That's another broken system. And, and now we don't have those jobs. Half of all jobs will disappear over the next decade. Think of what that impact will be in the U.S. Okay. If you think we have consolidation of wealth during the pandemic, the hundred wealthiest people on earth doubled their net worth. Let that sink in for a second. Not doubled what they made in a year, doubled their net worth.
2: By doing nothing.
1: <laughs> well, by, by having, you know, economic power. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So our educational system doesn't tell people that there's another way. I mean, the great example is a, uh, you know, the boss drives up uh, in his brand new Lamborghini and the young employee sees him and he's staring at it and The boss goes, you like that car? And he goes, yeah, if you work really hard this year, I'll be able to buy another one. So you either work for making someone else's dreams come true or you work to make your dreams come true. You know, I don't believe in reincarnation. So I, I think I'll pick on making my dreams come true. And you know, you're going to learn that it's hard, but it's not impossible. There are people that want to help. There are organizations that will help. There's no shortage of capital. There's no gatekeepers blocking the capital. You know, people with higher IQs don't earn more. People with better grades don't end up becoming wealthy. Those are all myths. Um, and that's one of the reasons why with Future Proofing, you know, I want to take somebody that had less advantage than most people reading the book and probably the most rewarding part of writing these two books that i didn't anticipate was what i call love letters i get emails every day from i've now gotten from over 140 countries of somebody telling me the story of how they read the book and now they changed their life and da da and that that propels me to spend the time to do this um, because we all have that potential and we have enough untapped potential to solve any problems that we're facing and why we don't want people to reach their potential is beyond me.
2: So you took a you took a homeless guy and he became a millionaire inside I think it was a year right it's been yeah. a while yeah. since I read the book. Yeah. But what habits what, did he change or what habits did he, I always I always felt like morning routines if you could take a homeless guy and give him a morning routine he's going to be productive the rest of the day, but what, what, maybe you did that, but what other, I I can't remember the habits. So there's a lot
1: of there. There's, you know, there's some uh, Ted talk that the most important thing you do is make your bed. I mean, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't focus on any of the gimmicks. It was quite simply, you know, first I had to change his mindset and, and I had to do it quickly. And the way I did that was I lied to him. Uh, (laughs) There's a psychological principle called the Pygmalion effect. A professor went to school, tested all the kids, told the teachers three of the students were super learners, super achievers. They excelled that year. And at the end of the year, those three kids excelled. But the professor lied. He just picked three names out of a hat. So I should do this with my kids. If you tell somebody they're special and you treat them special, they become special. So I told Vin, the young man that I interviewed over a hundred candidates. And out of all of them, he was the only one that had all the attributes to be a self-made millionaire. <laughs> and he figured if this old successful guy saw something, he must be right. Um, and in fact, I didn't cherry pick, I just picked one guy and said I had to go work with that guy. Um, the second thing that kept the mindset going was in the first month, I don't remember, I haven't memorized my own book, but he did like almost $70,000 his first month. He could have flown to Europe without a plane. I mean, he was so motivated and pumped up. So how did he get to 70? How did he do that? So then my, I'll tell you, my task was how do you keep that level of motivation? Yeah. Cause he had to go seven days a week, no dating, no watching TV, no going to the bar, no going to the disco, no going, going to the game, no raves. Daytimes were for selling nighttime was for doing the work and keep it going. And, uh, When he hit it at 11 months, spoiler alert, um, I'm like, can I keep him motivated for another month? And what kept him going at that point is the only thing that kept him going once he knew that he was on that thing was he was then going to take the next couple of years off. Not because a million dollars is enough to live your life, but because he knew he was future-proof, that he could drop down anywhere, anytime and do it again. And so he had booked all his travel and everything for after the year. So that kept him going that last month. Um, how did he do it? He wanted to do social media marketing. Wow. Never heard anybody doing that. There's a million people doing it.
2: All right. This there's, guy learned it from nothing. How did he? No, there's there's,
1: there's, there's there's nothing unique about that. You won't make any money. Coca-Cola isn't going to hire a homeless guy to do their marketing. Okay. But one of my 12 truths is fill a void. So focus on doing social media marketing for something that no one else is focused on. And look at what was in the zeitgeist. What was everybody talking about? What's some area? And if you market yourself as the social media expert for that one thing. What did he market as? What area? Well, this, this was the year that uh, Bitcoin went from 1000 to 20000 And so everybody was coming out with all the, the initial coin offerings of thousands of other coins. Mm-hmm. So social media marketing for crypto, for ICOs. And so he went from not being able to find clients, to finding clients that will pay him tens of thousands of dollars a month. Talk about the perfect storm. Well, but that perfect storm exists every year. Yeah. Everywhere. Where is it now? <laughs> look, look at what people are talking about. Look at what what changes are happening. I mean, in when I launched my, my company at 21, you know, I had to hire engineers that knew how to code and do all kinds of stuff. And it was, you know, the PC was catching on and all this stuff friend of mine, Billy, he said, wow, well, people are buying a PC for $2,000. Now back then a car was about $2,000. So, you know, this was a big investment for somebody. If you're going to have something that expensive in your house, you're going to want a dust cover. Yeah. So he made a plastic dust cover to put over the thing and he made millions. Mm-hmm. And then when, when floppies came out, he made a little thing to hold your floppies out of plastic. When mouse came out, he made a little mouse pad, right? You don't need any engineers to sell a ton of it. And this company was bought by Rubbermaid for hundreds of millions of dollars back in the 1980s. Okay. Insane. Fast forward to the iPhone comes out, it takes billions of dollars in genius skills to make an iPhone, right? Think of all the pieces, all the, you know, you know, it's witchcraft. Okay. Mm-hmm. But to make a little nickel piece of plastic that you put your phone into that you sell for $40, that's a $65 billion a year market mobile phone accessories. And a couple of years ago, somebody figured out a new void in the market. They're looking at Instagram and in the top four most seen thing on Instagram are people showing the dog smiling. Well, getting your dog to smile at the camera is a challenge. So uh, Paw Champs made a little thing that holds a dog treat on the end of the phone. So your dog goes "Ah," and made millions. It really is that easy. So you, t-
2: you, we've been, you've been taking a higher level perspective on a lot of things, you know, helping the planet. But what made you want to help a homeless guy do social media? Like, what kind of, what made so, you want to do that? So,
1: so as I said, a I got.
2: Short, you know, I,
1: I got all these emails uh, from the first book. I didn't plan on writing a second book, and uh, but I got this one email one day that said, "This is all great, but I could never do it." Mm-hmm. And that just ate at me. And it was from a millennial. I'm not picking on, on the generation I have raised to. So you, you are more interested in the psychology and no. And I was like, maybe there's something in the way I'm communicating for my generation that I'm failing to communicate. Um, and so I thought it would be a challenge. Could I just play my own version of, of my fair lady or Pygmalion? Could I just pluck somebody out and, and do this? And uh It was an insane idea, and uh, did you uh, think it would work? Well, I wouldn't have done it if I didn't think it would work.
2: Well, you Um, wouldn't have told
1: anybody. But I don't know if you know who Tom Billu is. Uh, Tom is a great podcast. So I went to Tom. I said, "Tom, let's film these sessions every week, and then you know when this thing comes out, then you can air them and you have this hit show." And we filmed the first one, and he came to me afterward. Goes, "This kid's not going to do it." (laughs) Right. Not, How not, old was not, he? How old was he? Oh, uh, he was in his 20s. Okay. Like, not not going to happen. Jay. And um, you know, uh you know, Ben did all the work and there, you know, I didn't give him any business contacts. I didn't give him any capital. I didn't, you know, there there was no 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 cheating.
2: So what did your um, one call a week look like? Like what it was a call or a face to face or
1: combination? Um, I did buy him a few pizzas. Um okay. he, he had a very limited diet. Uh skinny guy and only ate pizza. <laughs> I would die for that. Simple. Um, um, but uh, you know, I would challenge what he was planning to do if I thought it didn't make sense. But this wasn't daddy going no, don't do this. This was you know, like one of the things he wanted to do he wanted to name his company after him. And I'm like yeah, that makes it hard to sell. Yeah, but I wanted to, when a when fireman was able to you know, find a common ground of, you know, Richard Branson, you know. What do you name it? um, uh, World's greatest uh, marketing, I think was the name of it. Um, uh, But, you know, Virgin was a genius brand because Virgin means you don't know what you're doing. And so there's been over 300 Virgin companies, Virgin Games, Virgin Stores, Virgin Books, Virgin Brides, those bridal dresses. Um, most of them failed, but eight of them became billion-dollar companies. Well, it's just that desire to do it. I mean, Richard took his girlfriend down to the Bahamas, and his flight back got canceled, and everybody's sitting around with nothing. So he found out what it costs. This, this is 29 years old, a music guy. Found out what it costs a charter plane took a piece of cardboard out of the trash, wrote Virgin Airlines, $39, and figured out how he and his girlfriend could fly home for free. In his mind, it's that easy to start an airline. That's how he started Virgin, you know? He only had a few planes. You wouldn't know that because he made the brand so fantastic.
2: And he also started a war with uh, one of the- Oh, yeah, Uh, he did
1: the same with Virgin trains. Yeah, I mean, but- That that... helped drive them. That's free marketing. Yeah, you know, I mean, he—he's a genius, innate marketer. Um, so I, if, I said,
2: if I said Jay, hey, how much capital could you raise in thirty minutes?
1: In thirty minutes. How good's
2: the how good's the idea? Let's say it was no idea. It's just bet on Jay. I
1: I, I wouldn't do that. No. No, I wouldn't do that. I mean, there's no amount of capital that can't be raised. Cap- capital has, you know, in the beginning of my career, a different story, but at this stage, you know, capital isn't, isn't the issue. You know, what people invest in is the team and the inkling of a premise, because most businesses pivot. So you don't even need a great premise. You need to be at least pointed in a jungle that seems like there might be something in that jungle. Um, and then
2: do you still mentor people who are, are monetary based or are you just mentoring for solutions that help the planet or, you know?
1: Um, so or, I tried this past year, I set up a group on, on Facebook of people from around the world to try to take a thousand people on the same journey as, uh, and what you quickly realized is most people don't want to put in the work and you know you went from a thousand to 450 in the first week (laughs) you get down to 30 by the end of the first month i mean it was really you know if you talk to anybody that, and this is all i'm doing this for free if you talk to anybody that has online courses you know less than five percent finish the course if it's a multi You know, it's just people just aren't that persistent, which is why I put that up at the top. It's not brains. It's a lot of bright people doing nothing with their lives. You know, and that's where the passion comes in. You know, if there's some problem that you're really passionate about solving, you will solve it.
2: Yeah. Any, uh, uh, books on the, on the way coming out? Are you um, done writing?
1: I I wrote and illustrated a kids book, which uh, may be coming out. It's um, uh, it's uh, something I wrote years ago, and just finally had the time to do all the painting. Yeah, I saw
2: you I do mean, a lot of water, water, watercolor. Yeah, so you M- do.
1: my version of meditation.
2: Yeah. So you, do you med- You don't meditate?
1: No, my mind my mind's too active, but watercolor of all the painting mediums, you only have a few seconds where the paper's wet and you don't get to paint over. You know, Once it touches, that's it. So it's complete concentration. So it allows me to relax and not use the other parts of my brain. And back to the anything can happen. When the pandemic happened and I knew I was gonna be locked in, um, I thought it would be, maybe it will be a month, two, three months. I decided to say I would paint and put up a painting a day, not for any purpose other than to show that this is a gift of time and we can all do something with this time to make it positive. You know, assuming you didn't get sick and lose loved ones and that type of stuff. And what happened by just putting that out into the ether is I heard from galleries, I heard from art agents, I signed with gallery New York. I had a solo show, which I didn't get to attend. and my art is now collected. I mean, this is insane to me. I would have never had the had the self confidence or belief that you know I can be an artist.
0: Persevere is the name of the game, and yeah. have good ideas.
2: Yeah, I like. Uh, what, what's the the writer that always says, "Come up with 10, 10 ideas a day." That would be terrible. From the Altucher, James Altucher. Yeah. And then keep doing that every day. But...
0: Well, Jared, Hi, Josh, this was awesome. Yeah. Thanks for coming on.
1: We Fantastic. Keep we doing value, what you're we doing.
0: We value that you took time out of your day to spend it with us and that we're going to share this with everyone to listen. Yeah, Is there anything anybody, that you want people anybody, to do to take action on after listening to all the wisdom that you provided today?
1: Yeah. If you made it this far into this, then you're serious. Um, I have free workbooks on my my website. I'm not, I don't sell anything. I'm not trying to. What's your website? Uh, my name, jsamit.com J-A-Y-S-A-M-I-T.com. So if you're reading Disrupt You or Future Proofing You, there's a lot of good information, but sometimes when you're reading, it goes in one ear, out the other. The workbooks have exercises to do after each chapter to help you plan out your life or plan out your business. And so you can just click and, and, and download it for free. Um, it was interesting. Um, I heard from a teacher... Why don't I do a version of this for high school kids so they can understand that there's a third choice between would you like fries with this and going to prison? Um, and so the teacher worked with me and she won teacher of the year, uh, for creating this, this course. And then I twisted, uh, HP's arm to print all these, to give to boys and girls clubs. Um, so it's never too young to let people, you know. If you're ever driving and you see that kid with the lemonade stand, stop your car. Give the kid $5. What else can you do with $5 that can change the trajectory of a life?
2: Right? Not much. Not much. Even a buck.
1: Yeah. Know, give him some optimism so, and some hope. So, yeah. So, I'm there to do it. And uh, I look forward to seeing the solutions people create.
0: Thanks, Shay. Thank you.
1: Thank you. We look Jack. forward to
0: seeing the solutions. Peace out. <laughs>